Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, May 13th, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serrata. And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And writers, Watchmen Bowie. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. So yesterday we had a big scoop run on Slash Film. I exclusively reported a bit of Mandalorian news. Uh, This one is another casting story. It's another person who has appeared in another character that has appeared in the animated shows who is making transition to live action. And this time, unlike Ahsoka, it's going to be the same actress playing the character. And that's Katie Sackhoff, who... Many people probably know from Battlestar Galactica. She recently had a Netflix TV series called, what was it, like Alone or something? Uh, uh, I'm just not finding it in front of me. I, I have not watched it, which is obvious. Uh, it's, uh, but, um, oh, it's called Another Life. I was totally off. Not alone. Not alone at all. Um and uh, Chris, have you seen that? Because I feel like if anybody on this podcast has seen that show. No, I'm not even. Uh, I'm not even aware of that show. I don't know. Are yeah, you sure it was on Netflix or? 
I think it was on Netflix. Yeah, it's a sci-fi drama series, and it's been picked up for a second season, which was supposed to start shooting in March, and I'm guessing it probably didn't. So, <laughs> but uh, anyways, so Katie Sackhoff, uh, in the animated shows, because I'm sure a lot of people listening to this probably don't know much about this, but she, this character, Bo-Katan, has appeared in both Star Wars The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. Uh, th- she is a Mandalorian warrior um, in the end of Rebels. She ends up uh, becoming the leader of Mandalore, and she is in possession of the Darksaber, which is the weapon that we see Moff Gideon with at the end of the first season of Mandalorian. So it, it makes sense that she, she might be there, uh, either in a flashback of us seeing how Moff Gideon got that, that Darksaber or uh, you know, to, or maybe she's there and present to give some some backstory to like what happened to Mandalore, which is kind of a bit, one of the big questions I think of this Mandalorian show is you know what has happened to the actual Mandalorians. So uh, yeah, she's gonna be in there. I'm, I'm excited about this news, and uh, I'm, it. I, I know a lot of people online are, are kind of annoyed because Dave Filoni who made the animated shows he he was the showrunner of uh Star Wars the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels is he loves to tie up loose ends and bring his uh characters back from previous sh- series into his new adventures like he did that with Ahsoka and Rex from Clone Wars into Star Wars Rebels and he's doing that here with at least Ahsoka and Bo-Katan and if not maybe Rex and others uh, so, so some people are kind of annoyed by that. I would say that, you know, Ahsoka, I'm not sure how she fits into this whole second season of Mandalorian, but it, it kind of makes sense to have, you know, the the former leader of Mandalore and the Mandalorians, the person who had the Darksaber, um, you know, for her to appear in the series because, yeah, it just seems obvious but so, so i'm excited for about this and uh, i'm sure we're gonna get some more mandalorian season two casting before season two premieres which i think was supposed to be october ben is that still happening in october it actually is bob chapik who is the new uh ceo of disney said in a an interview with cnbc that the mandalorian season two will not be delayed because of the coronavirus so a, a lot of other productions had to shut down sort of midstream but he specifically called out The Mandalorian and said that that was shot before COVID-19 really hit. And they've been in post-production on that for a long time. Uh, we know that John Favreau has actually started writing season three already. And because of the unique way that The Mandalorian is, uh, is filmed, essentially it's like kind of the perfect show for, for this particular moment in time because a lot of the... Um, visual assets of the show have to be made ahead of time so they can be sort of plugged into the stagecraft technology that they use to film uh, that whole series, which is like these huge screens around, you know, digital screens around the sets and stuff like that. Um, So a lot of the work that is typically done in, you know, on the back end of the show is actually front loaded. And so they're able to just like sort of smoothly move through production that way in sort of an unconventional manner. But uh, like I said, it, it sort of works in the show's favor for uh, for this particular time. So they didn't experience any sort of shutdowns or anything. It's unclear whether the third season may experience some delays or something like that because of this. And we don't know exactly what filming conditions are going to be like 
or what their full timetable is for the third season. But as far as uh, Mandalorian season two, that is still currently supposed to be coming out in October of this year, uh, which is last we heard. And yeah, Chapik says that uh, don't expect a delay there. I wonder if it could get pushed up because I feel like with everybody out there in, in their homes, maybe, you know, and, and, you know, everything that's on TV now is like the singing shows. And, you know, I'm about tonight to watch Survivor, which is being filmed in um, Jeff Probst's uh, garage. He's filming in his garage <laughs> to announce the winners, which is like in, insanity in my mind. But uh, like... I wonder if they could move this up at, at, at all. And and you do mention season three. Is this going to affect season three? I remember going to the junket, the press conference for season one. And at, at that point, they were already gearing up for season two. So I I would think that, like, if they can't, you know, if this things don't settle down before October, then I would think that would affect season three. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyways, uh, let's talk about streaming services. HBO Max is set to launch on May 27th, and this is a new streaming service coming from Warner Brothers. And I, uh, you know, we're getting so many streaming services now. I'm looking at, at, like, the initial offerings here, and it doesn't look like there's anything super exciting. Chris, am I wrong? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was like I the mean, longest awe uh, in in slash film daily history. I think the the eventual idea here is really to sort of get rid of HBO now or HBO Go, whatever they have now, and just roll it into this. So, like, pretty much everything that's on HBO is going to eventually be on HBO Max. So you can either subscribe to HBO or you can subscribe to HBO Max if you don't want to go through your yeah. your cable provider. So that's like the ultimate goal here. Yeah, so, but what about original content beyond, you know, the standard HBO stuff? Well, you know, HBO in their defense, uh, the they're always coming out with with new originals. They have the the Seth Rogen Pickle movie. That's exciting. <laughs> um <laughs> I, uh, I didn't I, even know that was finished. That's yeah, crazy. me neither. But it's it, it'll we'll see that this August actually because today uh, HBO Max sent out uh, an email blast with a bunch of dates for um, summer programming. As you said, it, it launches May twenty seventh, but these are dates for things from June all the way through August. And uh, I recommend everyone just go to the website to to see the dates because there, there's a lot of them. But one thing. That is somewhat interesting is um, we had assumed because because Warner Brothers is the it owns this service. It's Warner Media service. Uh, you know, we had assumed it was going to be just all Warner Brothers stuff, but they're actually going to have stuff here from Sony and Paramount and 20th Century Studios. So it's not going to be just Warner Brothers content. There's going to be movies from uh, all over the place and. Well, you know, while I'm I'm not completely sold on signing up for this yet just because it's a little pricey, I do I feel like this is the idea of a streaming service that Netflix originally was, where it was bringing stuff that already exists in to stream before they got, you know, hell bent on making 500 originals a year or whatever their their number is. And I kind of like that for a streaming service more. You know, that's the, you know, that's what makes the Criterion channel so cool. Is like it's stuff that's not new it's stuff that just already existed in in one place and i do think hbo has that going for it rather than just trying to make you know rather than be like quibi or apple tv plus where everything is new yeah 
Is there anything other than the pickle movie that you're excited about that is coming to HBO Max? Uh, I'm. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm kind of looking forward to that. I'll be I'll be gone in the dark docu series because I read the book. Oh yeah. And I'm actually I'm actually looking forward to that Perry Mason series because I think it looks cool <laughs> because I'm an old man. But beyond that, there's nothing off the top of my head I can think of. Okay, let's talk about a surprise that was announced, I think, yesterday that the Hamilton movie is hitting Disney+. Plus. It's not going to theaters like originally planned. H.C., tell us about it. Yeah, so Disney is fast-tracking the streaming premiere of Hamilton. It was originally intended to hit theaters in October 2021, but Disney announced uh, yesterday that it's going to be hitting Disney Plus uh, this July, on July 3rd, 2020, which is uh, a day before Independence Day, so very fitting for the uh, musical about the Founding Fathers. And this is the, the Hamilton movie that is a live capture of the performance that was filmed at uh, the, uh, what theater was it? Richard Rogers, I think. Yes, Richard Rogers Theater, um, with the original cast, including Lin-Manuel Miranda, David Diggs, Renee Elise Goldsberry, and more. So um, this is, uh, yeah, this is a real fast track because, again, it was supposed to hit theaters uh, a year from now. And uh, it seems like they are intending to put this on the streaming service as soon as possible, for the fans who are stuck in quarantine, but also it suggests that maybe Disney is not quite so confident about uh, theatrical releases you know, coming out in July of this year. So they're starting to give get some um, some uh, content onto this to Disney Plus uh, for July. I am surprised about this because Hamilton seems like it would be a home run. Like, they could have hold, held on to this for, like, three years and released this in theaters when, you know, all the dust, dust settles. Like, it seems crazy that not only are they not going theatrical with this, but they could have put this on VOD and charged 30 bucks, right? Like, mm-hmm. why Disney Plus? Like, that, that just seems so crazy to me. Yeah, it doesn't seem because especially because Hamilton has always been so exclusive, it's almost impossible to get tickets even after it's. Uh, spread out uh, across the world and across productions in different cities. It's a very hard and like exclusive uh, musical to see. So you'd think that with the um, musical kind of still running, every all stages have gone dark since the pandemic. Um, but that Disney would want to keep that exclusivity, you know, somewhat um, in line with like how the musical has been. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just um, because. With the pandemic, Broadway has done a lot more sort of live streams of musicals, and maybe they're trying to tap into sort of that phenomenon that's going around. But yeah, it, it is a little bit of an odd choice for Disney. I, I, I wonder if it's also because Broadway is shut down, too. I mean, yeah. Broadway is going to be shut down, I think, till like September, they were saying. So I, I wonder if that has something to do with it, too. Yeah, I, I wonder. I also wonder, like, you know, I have like three people i know personally that had tickets to hamilton that got canceled because of this pandemic including uh ben who is on mm-hmm. this podcast so i i wonder if like maybe this was also a thing like lynn and the the whole crew being like you know what th- this could be a make good to like for all these people that were hoping to see it ben what do you yeah. think i think it's probably a combination of all of that and then also like you know this could be a big draw for 
because Disney Plus has been established for a little while. Like it's been around for several months now. It's still growing like pretty uh, impressively. But this could be one of those things that is a big enough release to drive people who are still on the fence to potentially subscribe to it. And that could help, you know, obviously bolster their numbers and stuff like that, too. So they that all, probably a combination of all of this stuff went into this decision. Yeah, I also wonder if their original content is starting to dry up. So maybe they wanted to fast track Hamilton for that purpose, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. The, the other thing I'm really curious about is they've been marketing this as like this film will be a, quote, leap forward in the art of live capture, which transports its audience into the world of the Broadway show in a uniquely intimate way, combining the best elements of live theater, film and streaming. The result is a cinematic stage performance that is to- a wholly new way to experience Hamilton. Like, I wonder what that means. What do you What do you think that means, HT? Um, I feel like it's a lot of fancy language, but um, I don't know. I don't really know what like this. I mean, it what the like the special live capture technology could be, and I feel like that would some be something that's better experienced in a theater rather than on your computer or tv screen so i don't know what it could possibly mean maybe some fancy camera angles i'm not sure i wonder if they'll try to make it somewhat interactive in some way because that's where maybe the streaming could come into play so yeah i'm not sure yeah the streaming part of that i was really curious about because like streaming is no different than you know watching things normally on your tv so like why are they using the word like it's doing something different in the world of streaming i don't know anyways let's move on let's talk about sweet tooth this is a new movie it's an adaptation coming from robert downey jr ben tell us about it uh it's a series actually um it is a tv show that robert downey jr and his uh, wife and producing partner susan downey are set to executive produce and it's a, a live action adaptation of sweet tooth which is a vertigo comic about human animal hybrids that is set in a post-apocalyptic world so the premise this is sort of like a uh it's described as a broad appeal family-friendly storybook adventure of a character named gus who is part deer part boy who leaves his home and uh you know tries to uh, basically he joins this ragtag uh, makeshift family of humans and animal hybrid children like himself and they try to figure out you know, how they became hybrids in the first place. Um, Will Forte is part of the cast. Uh, Nanzo Anozi, who is in Game of Thrones, is part of the cast. Josh Brolin, or I'm sorry, excuse me, James Brolin, Josh's father, is uh, is the voice of the narrator on the show. So they already have the, the cast lined up. Um, Jim Mickle and Beth Schwartz are going to be the co-showrunners on this. Jim Mickle, you might recognize his name. He's um, the filmmaker behind movies like Cold in July and In the Shadow of the Moon on Netflix. Uh, he did the show uh, Happen Leonard also. I think that was on IFC. And then uh, Beth Schwartz is, um, her, some of her credits include work on uh, the CW's Arrow and uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow. So uh, the two of them are sort of tag teaming uh, the leadership roles um on this show so we don't know anything about when exactly it's supposed to arrive but we got a sort of a quick first look at it um that you can check out in the article yeah i know jacob is a fan of this comic so uh yeah he said interestingly that uh you know this the netflix version talked about that broad appeal family-friendly approach that they're taking here and jacob said that the actual comic is like 
more dark and sinister than that. So he's very curious to see what sort of changes they have. So I'm sure if anybody out there has read the the comic, they'll be interested in that as well. So another surprise that we were dealt yesterday is there is a grudge TV series coming to Netflix. Chris, what do we know? Uh, yeah. So uh, the, the original grudge series, uh, Juon, which is, spanned i don't know eight thousand movies there's a lot of movies in this series uh was it was eventually remade as the grudge in in america and even after the american remake came they kept they still kept doing the you know part of the original series uh and now there's a, a tv series on netflix it's it's a prequel series that sort of like goes back even further than the first story um and you know it looks pretty cool um you know it uh, it looks completely contained to you know the original series has nothing to do with the remakes even though they tried to tie the remakes into the original it's a very convoluted series but you know this just this looks like a series about a haunted house basically and and that's what appeals to me so i will be checking this out when it arrives uh in july july 3rd the same day as hamilton so you could either watch hamilton or this on july 3rd what so you're picking this over hamilton well, I've already seen Hamilton. I don't need to see it again. No, I'll probably watch it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You can watch the trailer for this in the story. We'll have that linked in the show notes. Uh, another thing that we've been talking a lot recently about is Tenet, the Christopher Nolan film. We do have a trailer for that that we've seen. We we There was like an IMAX preview of a scene, and everybody's been speculating that this movie probably has something to do with time travel because of how that trailer kind of like goes forward and then kind of rewinds and it does some interesting things with time in only a way Christopher Nolan could, but it turns out that this is not a time travel movie. HD, what do we know? Yeah. A new interview with Robert Pattinson uh, in GQ magazine, which I recommend all you guys read because it is just a fascinating piece of comedy right there. But um, in a new interview with him, he talks about his character in Tenet and he debunks the prevailing theory about time travel being an element of of the movie. And he says that his character uh, is not a time traveler. And there's actually no time traveling. He said that's the one that's the one thing he's approved to say. So that kind of debunks the the major theory around the film. Like you said, it's kind of everyone speculated that it was about time travel because of that major action sequence in which we see a car crash and then uncrash. And then a later scene where um, uh, John David Washington's character says, like, something hasn't happened yet. So it's um it is unclear now what this movie could be about, but there is probably some element of time in it because a supplementary material um, book, uh, an official behind the scenes book called The Secrets of Tenet Inside Christopher Nolan's Quantum Cold War uh, has some intriguing intriguing hints perhaps about what this movie is about, uh, specifically dealing with um, the term quantum cold war. So um, it could potentially have something to do with the uh, manipulation of time or even reality. I don't know. I, I can't profess to be an expert in quantum physics, <laughs> but that is like my understanding of it based on like my limited, limited understanding. Um, and it also in the synopsis for this uh, behind the scenes book, it also describes Tenet as Nolan's time bending masterpiece. So there's 
some element of time or time manipulation um, that has to do that is uh, involved in this movie. So uh, not time travel specifically, but maybe mm-hmm. something about time. Yeah, I think that wording of him saying it's not a time travel movie might be a little deceiving. It's. It, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that there's no people in the movie that time travel. I guess that would be technically true then, right? But it, it seems like something is happening here. Like, even if you look at the the name of the movie, Tenant, that is, what do you call that when the word is like the same forward as is backwards? And I I forget what that's called. Uh, palindrome? Yeah, palindrome. That's yeah. Right. And I, I kind of have had this theory for a long time that like somehow this movie was going to end where it began. Kind of how Tenant, the word begins with a T and ends with a T. <laughs> But I don't, that's a fun theory. I like that. Yeah, I don't know how that works though. I don't. I don't have a theory of how that works, but uh, I don't know. We'll have to see. I wonder if it has something to do with maybe precognition, the uh, idea of being able to see the future or something, which doesn't necessarily have to do with time travel, but you know, has to do with the concept of time. I actually, I wonder if it's going to be doing something similar to. Um devs in that it's it's that the the many worlds theory from quantum physics where oh. something that happened like uh, that theory where like if you get if you get into a car accident in this world and you live there's another dimension out there where the same car accident happened and you died something like that where it's like parallel universes because that might be a way to get around time travel without calling it time travel yeah i, w- I wonder if it might it could even like take like a memento approach of it's telling you the story linearly and then somehow it's filling in the gaps going backwards afterwards like in memento i don't know i'm not sure how that would work okay anyways let's talk about uh the popeye movie is back in development ben tell us about that yeah so Gennady tartakovsky is the filmmaker behind the hotel transylvania trilogy and he also developed and, and created uh, Samurai Jack and Dexter's Laboratory and the Powerpuff Girls and all sorts of uh, shows like that back in the day. And he is like one of the premier um, action directors in the animation world, I would say. Uh, he had been developing a Popeye movie, an animated Popeye film for Sony Pictures Animation starting, I think, in 2012 or 2013. That project ended up falling apart five years ago. And now a new report says that he is once again developing a Popeye animated feature film. Um, I've heard that it is not with Sony this time. So that's kind of an interesting wrinkle here because I had assumed that maybe the leadership had changed at Sony and maybe somebody who disagreed with his version of the project, uh, you know, five years ago, maybe somebody else is now in a position to sort of give him the green light that he's been wanting, but it seems like he's just working with the company that owns the cinematic rights to Popeye and not with Sony on this one. So uh, to me, that means like he's probably going to have to throw out all of the assets and everything that he developed the first time around. um, And maybe even start from scratch on, on writing um, the movie again, because even after he left the film in 2015, I think the next year Sony had hired uh, a guy named TJ Fixman to take a crack at the script. So uh, I don't know if Sony has like completely dropped the idea of working on a Popeye movie at all. That was in 2016 and we haven't heard any updates on the project since. Um, and now maybe it's like, maybe the rights have reverted back to the the original people and they really liked what Tartakovsky was doing. So they wanted to team up with him again. Um, the sort of 
you know, nuts and bolts of the behind the scenes are still a little murky at this point. But the fact seems to remain that that he is once again working on this Popeye movie. Um, and this is a character that he grew up with. And he, I've watched this video of him talking about how he when he immigrated from Russia, Popeye was one of the shows that he watched as a kid and it, it taught him how to speak English in some ways. And uh, it was like a very meaningful show for him. And he's actually said that he he's be- he believes that he is destined to make one movie and that movie is Popeye. So uh, <laughs> this is definitely something that is like a, a very clear passion project for him. So um, I hope it happens. It'll be a cool story for, you know, it's always a cool narrative when uh, projects have, you know, huge obstacles that they overcome and, and uh, hopefully it ends up to be uh, a movie that warrants the, uh, you know, all the time and effort that everybody's spent on in all these years. But do you think people want this movie? Do they need a Popeye movie? Ben. That's the big thing. I, I, you know, diving back into the archives and, and sort of tracking the history of why the Sony version fell apart, it sort of seemed like the studio at, at the time wanted to have a more modern take on the character. And Tartakovsky kept saying, essentially, like, you can only update the character of Popeye so much before it stops feeling like Popeye. So I, I have no idea if younger yeah. audiences even know who Popeye is. Like, I grew up watching Saturday morning cartoons and, and sort of have, like, a vague recollection of, of Popeye cartoons being on sometimes. But there are, you know, I'm, like, slowly <laughs> aging out of, like, the key demographic that, <laughs> that studios are going for. So I cannot <laughs> imagine younger audiences being, like, really fluent in Popeye mythology and stuff like that and knowing who all the characters are and caring. So I... I <laughs> The only thing that brings me any peace here is knowing that he is such a a visually dynamic filmmaker that even if the project was some piece of IP that I absolutely hated, I feel like he would be able to make it visually interesting enough for it to be worthwhile um, and at least worth checking out. So, uh, yeah, I guess we'll have to to see. I I love his style so much. One of the biggest travesties of Disney Plus is that it doesn't have the Star Wars, Clone Wars animated shorts i think they were called like micro shorts or something back in the day uh, in 2003 uh he did a series of like these animated shorts before you know the whole dave filoni the clone wars launched these were like these 2d animated shorts and they're not on disney plus and they're so good and uh yeah maybe someday anyways uh Recently, you know, Tiger King took over this world during this pandemic. We were excited when it was announced that there, were, there was going to be a new episode coming out. But that new episode ended up not coming from the producers, but instead coming from Joel McHale, who just made like fun of all the people that appeared on the show and was kind of trashy and bad. Uh, but ne- but there is a new episode of Tiger King coming out from the original producers, but there's a catch Chris tell us about it yeah so this is very vague at the moment we don't even have like a confirmation from Netflix yet but the people working people who worked on Tiger King are reportedly working on a new episode that's going to be under the Tiger King banner but it's not actually going to be about Joe Exotic instead it's going to be about uh, Siegfried and Roy who were a uh, magician stage show in in Las Vegas and they did a lot of shows dealing with um, white tigers and white lions and they were really successful and then their show came to an end when uh, Roy got attacked by uh, by a tiger on stage and uh, he survived but he actually just died uh, a week ago from coronavirus but he survived that attack but that attack effectively shut down the stage show and 
this is apparently going to examine, you know, what happened and what went wrong and uh, why it was probably a bad idea to be doing live stage shows with <laughs> live animals like that. So uh, I'm actually kind of interested in this. I'm actually more interested in this than like the Joe Exotic story, honestly, just because it seems much different than, than diving into that that Joe Exotic world again. So uh, I hope this turns out well. Yeah. Last year, there was this, um, I think, a 2020 documentary or maybe it was part of 2020 it was called Siegfried and Roy behind the magic which was like this kind of like expose on you know what happened and th- them uh, I'm wondering if this is going to bring anything new to the story because I feel like that tried to be a little bit sensational and try to expose some stuff but it didn't really do that great of a job uh, I'm wondering what kind of <laughs> what kind of new light can they bring to this especially since they're I'm guess they're making this all during the pandemic remotely and not like you know visiting people and i don't know i'm, I'm wondering how much you can accomplish in that way but i uh, want we'll to see i'm interested to see it yes. uh finally we have one last story for you this involves batman versus superman movie not from Zack snyder but from someone else and this one was supposed to be even darker somehow ht what do we know Somehow. But yes, uh, Akiva Goldsman was uh, working on a Batman versus Superman movie in the early 2000s that was set to be directed by Wolfgang Peterson and star Colin Farrell as Batman and Jude Law as Superman. Uh, This movie was ultimately scrapped by Warner Brothers, but Akiva Goldsman recently talked about it in an interview and uh, described it as quote unquote, the darkest thing you've ever seen. Um, he spoke about the uh, the script that he was working on after screenwriter Andrew Kevin Walker had written the initial draft. And uh, it apparently started with Alfred's funeral and Bruce had fallen in love and uh, retired the cape and cowl. Uh, but after the Joker kills his wife, you discover that it was all a lie and um, other things happen (laughs) things unfold from there so um akiva colesman just kind of gives more details about this um script that he'd worked on and compared it to the uh golden age golden age comics run of world's finest in a kind of dark and interesting way uh quote unquote so um it's uh i haven't read the script i think chris has read the script am i correct i read it a very long time ago it is online you if you just search that you know search for akiva goldsmith what uh batman v superman it'll come up it's 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 it has a code name which is asylum but it's that script so you can find it out there um i really don't recall that much of it i just know that i'm very tired of everyone being like this is the (laughs) darkest batman like all right we get it even the new one they're doing it like it's gonna be so dark like okay we get it batman's dark I'm so fascinated with film projects that never happened. I wish there was ways that we could get a look into, like, you know, I'd love to see, you know, George Miller's Justice League brought to life as a graphic novel or this brought to life as a graphic novel. I feel like, you know, so much work was put into these things. Maybe there's a way that Warner Brothers or whatever can can make some money off it. Like, I would, I would love to experience it and in some way, but I guess that's probably never going to happen. Peter, you know what you're saying, what you're describing right now is basically what the Snyder Bros have been saying about oh, the Snyder no. Cut of Batman v Superman. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think that exists. I think there's a different, well, yeah, I don't know. 
Okay, I'm get I'm digging myself a hole now. <laughs> okay, that brings us to the end of today's Slash Film Daily. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast in iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. There's a new episode of Chris's podcast on Steven Spielberg. Where can they find that, uh, Chris? Uh, that is everywhere. It's uh, The podcast is 21st Century Spielberg, and you can find it on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher and all all the podcast platforms. Go, yeah. go seek it out, please. Yeah. Send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com. And write and read this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you on Friday.